Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Film Ruminations, the podcast. My name is Jason Beamish, and I wanted to give you an opportunity to listen rather than to read as I highlight some of the recent films that I have watched. For this first episode, I have a handful of releases from the Warner Archive Collection. Again, welcome, and thank you for listening. The first film I want to talk to you about today is Village of the Damned. From its seemingly placid opening, Village of the Damned piles one eerie and disquieting detail upon another, creating the rarest of achievements, an utterly believable masterpiece of horror. Starring the ever-imperturbable George Sanders, who does not uh, remain that way for long, this classic, havoc-filled take of mind-reading and hypnotism will have you completely hypnotized and shaken to the core. The monsters of the film are a band of innocent-faced platinum-blonde children, all of whom are born in a small, peaceful village on the same day. Their rapid physical development is matched by their fast-growing mental powers, and with a calm, blood-curdling efficiency, they are soon terrorizing the tiny hamlet. They can read the thoughts that are forming in your mind, which makes them altogether an unstoppable enemy. Capped by a mental tug-of-war you will never forget, Village of the Damned is an, an extremely compelling, startling picture. Science fiction has never imagined so strange or terrifying a story as that of the village of Midwich, England cut off from life as we know it by some mysterious force. And later, at one and the same time, a child was born to every woman in the village. Children that grew to look like this. Beautiful youngsters behind whose fiery, hypnotic eyes lurked the demon forces of another world. They're not human. They ought to be destroyed. Forces put to such sinister use that it became a national emergency. We are gathered here as advisors, as scientists, as government experts. Have we established anything about the origins of these children? There is a possibility of the transmission of energy. Let me get this straight. You imply that these children may be the result of impulses directed towards us from somewhere in the universe. What we need is time to investigate. Are you aware of life on another planet? Why are you so nervous when an aircraft flies above you? Until recently, we haven't been able to make our control reach as far as a high aircraft. Well, now you have, is that it? Today, their control reaches out into space. Tomorrow, will it girdle the globe? There's nothing you can do to stop us. Leave us alone. This film is directed by Wolf Rilla, uh, not to be confused with its remake by John Carpenter. The the film, it really comes down to a personal preference between this release and the John Carpenter, because in many cases, they're nearly a shot-by-shot 
uh, remake. Uh, not to discount John Carpenter's at all. I preferred that version to this one. But what we have here is is an incredibly crisp picture and a, a really great uh, little restoration that the Warner Archive collection has done. It does include a uh, commentary uh, by Chronicles of Terror Silent Screams author Steve Haberman. Uh, I did not listen to the commentary. I imagine it's it's chock full of good information. But again, it's uh, starring George Sanders and uh, Barbara Shelley. It's it, You can't really go wrong, especially because we're coming into the uh, Halloween season. Uh, to to pick up something like this, it's I'd say it's worth it, especially if you're putting it next to uh, the remake on your shelf. Uh, but it is a, a a very very good offering from the collection. Next up, we have a new release from Vincent Minnelli, uh, Home from the Hill, starring one of my favorites, Robert Mitchum. Uh, the synopsis here: uh, Wade Honeycutt is a big man who casts a big shadow one that looms over the Texas backwoodsmen who work his land, the beautiful, embittered wife he cheats on, and over the sons, one from marriage and one illegitimate, who strive for the father's respect. Robert Mitchum gives one of his greatest performances, writes Michael Barson, um, the illustrated who's who of Hollywood directors, as Wade and Vincent Minnelli directs this sprawling, emotionally volatile tale of an epic clash between generations. In early career roles, George Pippard, uh, George Hamilton stars Wade's sons, determined to be their own men, yet in danger of repeating their father's life-crippling legacy of lust and violence. Just like your hometown, this town has a first family. Home from the Hill is the proud, lusty legend of such a family, the Honeycuts, who for better or worse, dominated the community. And in turn, were dominated by Wade Honeycutt. I take it as my right to cross any man's fences when I'm hunting. Game, yes. But women? No. All right, there have been others. But you can put an end to that. You just unlock your door. Tonight, if you want to. Right now, if you want to. Shall I tell you why you still find me attractive after all these years? Because you can't have me. You've had him for 17 years. Now I want him. I'm going to take him out in the company of men. Whether you like it or not, Hannah, that boy's going to come of age. You can't have him. You can't stop me. Home from the Hill is also the story of two boys. Of Theron, who inherited his father's riches, pride, and courage. And of Rafe, who owned nothing, not even his name. You own a change of clothes, you live rent-free, you got steady employment. You want to improve your station in life, you can just move on anytime. No, sir. I go where you go. Sonny, I do believe I notice a change in you over these last few weeks. Well, it's uh, the feminine touch, Rafe. Yeah. I hear tell, it does wonders for growing boys. You ought to try it yourself, Ray. <laughs> Have you told young Theron he's gonna be a father? I can't. Oh, Ralph. 
Time to work up this tangle, Miss Libby. Might take me a minute or two to unsnarl it. Who was Rafe? Nobody knew or said. And then one day the truth could be hidden no longer. I know all about you now, Rafe. All about me? I don't think you do. You know, I was hanging around the day they named you in church. And they drove you up and down the main street of town in open touring car so everybody could see the sun and air. Somewhere along the line, I got a notion some of that was coming to me. He's the best there is, and if you were any kind... If you were any kind of a man, you'd be proud of him and love him. His mother was a tramp, a sand hill tacky, having her child by the edge of a ditch. Home from the Hill brings to the screen William Humphrey's rich and earthy novel of the Honeycutt family. The secret they hid too long, the town that talked too much, and the love they tried to destroy. Uh, but it is great to see George Hamilton in a very, very early role. It, it all comes back down to Robert Mitchum, who really in any scene can command your attention. And it's uh, it's probably not one of my favorite of the uh, Warner Archive Collection editions. I know that they have been putting a lot of uh, the Minnelli films out. And it's great to be able to have quick and easy access to these. But there are some better options. I can tell you that it, it does certainly look terrific. Uh, like all the other releases, they do a, a bang-up job getting these things into your hands, into great little packages that, that look like an appropriate thing to be playing on a Blu-ray player on a nice big TV. So that is Home from the Hill uh, by Vincent Minnelli starring Robert Mitchum. Next up, we have a little surprise, Herman Melville's Billy Budd, uh, written, produced, uh, directed by Peter Ustinov, who also is, has a starring role in it. From the synopsis we have, it is 1797, and the English frigate Avenger sails wartime seas, ready to engage the French Navy in a broadside for broadside combat. But there's another warfare going on, a conflict aboard the king's ship. It's the battle of good versus evil, the powerful theme of Herman Melville's seafaring Billy Budd, film debuting, and the 1962 Best Supporting Actor Oscar nominee Terence Stamp plays the title role, an archetype of goodness of the man of war. Robert Ryan portrays the masters at arms, efficient and cruel, especially to the young Billy. Director Peter Ustinov plays the captain, caught between the inevitable clash of polar opposites. Will good triumph? Perhaps not in Melville's world. Perhaps never in the merciless time of war. Billy Budd, Herman Melville's towering novel, acclaimed as one of the ten best pictures of the year by Time Magazine, Associated Press, National Board of Review, and scores of the nation's leading newspapers. 
this is Terrence Stamp, the young actor hailed by famed columnist Luella Parsons as the screen's outstanding new star discovery. Follow him into the challenging world of Billy Budd. Is it a fight you want, then? Aye. There's a lad on the right, a man used to like a friendly fight. <coughs> Robert Ryan as the sadistic master-at-arms. Just keep your hate for me alive until that time. Brilliant producer-director Peter Ustinov as the captain, facing a life-and-death struggle aboard his ship. You will come to attention when I address you. You have only two duties here, to fight and to obey. You're after Mr. Claggett. Well? Mr. Rankin, Katie knows. He's waiting for you. Give me that knife. Why did you try to stop him? Why should I want you? Killed? I said this William Budd. Heads in the crew a spirit of rebellion against the officers, the mates, and me. And urges them to the outrage of mutiny. I say this man threatened his officers with murder. Defend yourself, Budd. I don't think he can. The fate of all sailing men hung in the balance at the court-martial of Billy Budd. Soon the men will know what happened. I say let him go. Sit down, sir. I cannot give the kind of judgment that you wish to force upon us. We do not deal with justice here, but with the law. Billy! This is a movie that I have not watched. Well, I had not watched. I've watched it now uh, based on a book uh, that I have. Uh, just real quick, it does have a commentary by Terrence Stamp and uh, filmmaker Steven Soderbergh uh, for its special feature. It's, it's great when the Warner Archive does include special features. They don't always. This was really a, a good movie. Uh, it's a great story, uh, obviously. It's a very good movie, and it's a, it's a great addition to add to your collection. Uh, I said it before this episode. Uh, it looks terrific. And if you haven't seen it, uh, seeing Terrence Stamp, who in my life I've only seen as an old guy, uh, as, as a young pup, is really quite something special. So I would highly, highly, highly recommend that you pick this one up. Okay, now we have, starring Frank Sinatra, the film Never So Few. I had never even heard of this picture when they had announced its release, and uh, it was better than I expected, but not as good as I hoped. Frank Sinatra told the director to give a newcomer a break. John Sturgis, of The Great Escape, obliged, providing favorable camera angles for Sinatra's younger co-star. In his first big-budget film, Steve McQueen was ready to grab the movie world's attention. McQueen plays Billy Ringa, one of the OSS's combatants, 
harassing the enemy in World War II Burma. Sinatra is Captain Tom Reynolds leading the guerrilla fighters and risking court-martial in doing so. Also among Never So Few's many are Charles Bronson, Peter Lawford, and in her first Hollywood film, Gina Lola Brigida. About McQueen, the New York Herald Tribune reviewer wrote, he possesses that combination of smooth, rough charm that suggests star possibility. A star is born in Never So Few. unsung heroes of adventure in faraway places, add one more name, Captain Tom Reynolds. Always a bomb, Tom Reynolds. A bomb who lighted his own fuse. He lived hard, he fought hard, and he fell hard. I kissed you, lady, and you kissed me back. You... I got the message. Never so few are the moments left for love to such as these two fatefully brought together in the unpredictable turmoil of an exotic land. There had always been more than one man in Carla's life, the ones that had her and the ones that wanted her. Oh, come in and sit down. We better stay in the jungle. It's a lot simpler there. Many lives touched those of Carla and Tom. In Bill Ringer, Tom found a brother rebel. Make it, bottle it, label it, sell it. I even drink it. God, you've got guts. All that bothered Danny was the jungle heat steaming up his moniker. He and Tom fought side by side just to stay alive long enough to get back to the bright lights and the women. They called Nick Regas an international mystery man. The mystery was, what was his hold on Carla? But I must tell you something rather disagreeable about myself. I'm a bad loser. You once told me I had a lot of boyish notions about love and that you knew love's realities. Now I know what kind of man you are. So brave in battle, but so afraid of life. You talk of the future, but you won't take a chance on it. The fervid and tantalizing story of a love that could not be, and yet could not be denied. Never so few is vivid human drama boldly set against the exotic lands of India and Burma. You would think with Frank Sinatra, who people may disagree, and that's fine, has had some of my favorite performances, specifically The Manchurian Candidate. I thought he did a, a spectacular job there, and there's been several other screen credits of his that I've enjoyed. Also with Steve McQueen, uh, Every Man's Man, and Peter Lawford. Also, we uh, had Paul Heinrich from Casablanca. You would think, based on that information alone, that you'd have a great movie. Unfortunately, you have Charles Bronson, who I love, but he's playing uh, an Indian, the, one of the, the wind talkers, and it just didn't work out as well as I would have hoped. Based on the information that we have, though, with Sinatra and Bronson and McQueen and Lawford and, and Heinrich, it, it might be worth visiting. 
Uh, that's totally up to you. I, I might suggest a pass on this one. Again, your mileage may absolutely vary. Also a new release, we have The Last Hunt by director Richard Brooks. The synopsis here, we have Robert Taylor and Stuart Granger team up in this grim, fierce, raw-boned outdoor fair by, uh, from Variety. Filmed on location in rugged Custer State Park, North Dakota, Charlie Gibson Taylor, a mean-spirited hunter, joins reserved Sandy McKenzie, uh, played by Granger, on a great government-sanctioned buffalo hunt that will keep the buffalo population under control and make men rich. Joining them are Woodfoot, an old one-legged skinner, played by Lloyd Nolan, and Jimmy, Russ Tamblin, a half-Indian boy. But trouble begins to break the team apart when Charlie kills a group of Indians, whom he accuses of stealing horses. Charlie's subsequent mistreatment of the lone survivor, an Indian woman and her child, forces Sandy to realize that his partner is consumed with hate, and that he enjoys killing more than just buffalo. Raw, real, and rugged from the L.A. Examiner, the last hunt is so intense and powerful that its stark images will stay with you long after the film ends. buffalo once roamed the western plains by the million till it came into the gun sights of the men who hunted it for profit. MGM's unique story of these pioneer hunters is told through the strange partnership of two men. Strong, savage Charlie Gilson, played by Robert Taylor. Strong, gentle Sandy McKenzie, played by Stuart Granger. I changed my mind, mister. You want to go slaughtering buffalo, you go ahead. Me, I want to get the stink of them out of my insides. I'm fed up on killing. Seems like that's all I've ever known since I was a kid. Killing one kind or another. Well, there ain't nothing wrong with that. Killing's natural. Not to me, it ain't. Their fantastic, colorful story discloses a side of the American West never before filmed, full of excitement and danger. In brilliant Eastman color, photographed at great risk, in its actual locale, the Black Hills of South Dakota. Unique, too, is the honesty of the portrayals. Russ Tamblin as the appealing red-headed half-breed. Lloyd Nolan as the tough, humorous buffalo skinner. Mr. Charlie, he sure hates the Indian, don't he? Well, why not? See, the Indian don't eat with no fork, same as Charlie. Engine treats his women free and easy, same as Charlie. Engine blows his nose with his fingers, same as Charlie. Now, you see, Charlie don't like himself so much, so he don't like the engine any better. Seems fair enough, don't it, son? Deborah Paget is the lovely captive Indian girl. Soft-spoken, desirable. That baby ain't yourn, is it? His mother was killed. The child got anybody? Anybody close, I mean? The baby belongs to all people. Ain't that a fact, though? Yes, these hard men could display warm tenderness as well as cold steel. Thought I told you to put that gun away. I 
could shoot out both your eyes before you took another step. Sure, you'd kill me, Charlie. But while you're doing it, I'd gut you from belly to brisket. Humorous, human, yet tough as nails, The Last Hunt is a picture that pulls no punches. <laughs> one here the last hunt is so intense and powerful that the stark images will stay with you is an absolute fact because this might be an, a deal breaker for a lot of people uh, almost for me i i really wanted to turn it off about halfway through because uh this is they do kill actual buffalo in the making of the film and it was it was disturbing to say the very least i mean not as bad as other films with actual animal torture uh but just just it, it's rough to watch and it, they had permissions and everything that was necessary but there's really some difficult moments and and again your opinions on the the matter might be completely different than mine and that's perfectly fine and if you like watching buffalo get murdered uh the last hunt is for you but i kind of feel like there might be more people who don't care for that what i can tell you if you're still interested uh it looks terrific uh, there's a few in, there's a few moments where the color kind of looks blown out a little bit. It was on Eastman Color, and it, it it's the the color pops off the screen, and and it does look terrific, and and you can tell that they're out on on uh, on location. And the story it's it's engaging. There's you know there's your normal whitewashing of of Native American actors that could have been portrayed. I, I uh, but that's that's kind of beyond the point. Um, it's a movie that I had never heard of starring people that I'm not familiar with. And what I can tell you is that the people, the actors did a good job, but again, the subject matter is, it's really kind of heavy and uh, it's very difficult for me to, to recommend this movie. Uh, but do know that it's out there uh, for the people that are interested in this Western folks. I saved the best for last out very recently is a completely unexpected, but joyful piece of filmmaking, the life and times of judge Roy Bean. The synopsis goes as such. Vinegar Room Law goes like this. Penalty for stealing whiskey? Hanging. Penalty for not cutting the judge in on the bank heist? Hanging. Penalty for speaking ill of New York actress Lily Langtree? Shooting. Then hanging. Paul Newman joins director John Huston, screenwriter John Melius, and a cast of superbly signed, superb sidewinders in a turn of the real-life Wild West into a tall tale of a wilder west. Newman tackles with gusto the title role, a self-made man who proclaims himself law of the west of the Pecos, writes admiring letters to Langtree, played by Ava Gardner, and rides into gun-blazing glory, whooping for Texas and Miss Langtree. Prepare yourself for some colorful adventures, because these bright talents cast long shadows. Paul Newman is Judge Roy Bean. The man that came from nowhere to become a legend. 
could you lower the deceased a little bit? He's not in the picture. Lower him. This is the life and times of Judge Roy Bean, featuring a gallery of guest stars in a series of vintage portrayals. Jacqueline Bissett, Tab Hunter, John Houston, Stacy Keach, Roddy McDowell, Anthony Perkins, and Ava Gardner as Lily Langtree. The judge must have been quite a character. Who are you? Justice, you son of a... Marmalade molasses and honey Cinnamon and sassafras tea They make a morning finger licking and sunny Sweet as it can be Pour it over me The life and times of Judge Roy Bean if this story ain't true, it sure should have been. I watched the movie without reading into it, like I try on, on most of these water archive releases. And after about 10 minutes, I had a difficult time deciding if it was a John Huston movie or a Sam Peckinpah movie. It, it's very realistic. It has some humor reminding me of Cable Hogue, which is why I thought of uh, Peckinpah for a moment. Yeah, obviously, it doesn't have that grim reality of, of Peckinpah. Or it was John Huston, who I've always been a fan of, uh, Falcon, uh, Maltese Falcon, uh, Treasure of Sierra Madre, African Queen. It's these, as, uh, as early films go, he is one of my favorite directors. And Paul Newman has never really uh, disappointed me. So this is an absolute blanket 100% recommend if you like, you know, Outlaws and Paul Newman or John Houston. It's a it's an absolute uh, surefire winner. Um, I, I I really I could probably keep going on and it would probably be very helpful, but just don't don't sleep on this one. It is absolutely. I'm gonna go ahead and agree with uh, Ted Sennett here. Um, one of the best Western films of the 70s, playful and 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 wickedly irreverent. Uh, again. Life and Times of Judge Roy Bean is apt worth the time of day, and I highly uh, recommend that you add this to your collection. And there you have it, folks, our very first episode of Film Ruminations, the podcast. I am very grateful that you've listened, or if you have listened this far at the very least, or at all, really, but if you didn't listen this far, you're not getting me thanking you, but... Again, I, I do appreciate time, and I appreciate all the people who, for the past four years, have been coming to the site, and I hope that uh, there's plenty more to come after this. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, let me know, and I hope that there will be more to come. Uh, this It's important, i got to say, this is going to be a relatively inconsistent podcast. Uh, it, it's, it so happened that I had a pretty decent stack of Warner Archive that I, I wanted to, to let you guys know, and perhaps uh as uh, more and more as time goes by i might watch something that i, I want to talk about uh i don't necessarily I might not have time to write about it but apparently uh recording a podcast and editing it and finding music and all that takes less time i don't know some ideas uh half-baked may not be as strong as others i don't know but I appreciate all the time that you guys uh, give to me for this website. Thank you very much. Again, my name is Jason for Film Ruminations, the podcast. Thank you. <laughs>